May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> well, that was different. Oh, glad you're here today. I want to talk to you this morning about this uh, reading from the Gospel of Matthew. The big idea is to be effective as Christian witnesses, we must become salt and light to the world. We must become the hands and feet of Christ. Uh, wherever we go, whomever we're with, whatever we're about, we need to be salt and light, the hands and feet of Christ. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. This is how we should live. This is how we are to conduct ourselves. Verses, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 are the Beatitudes. And this talks about our spiritual characteristics. And today, um, 13 through 16, our relationship with others, how we affect the environment for Christ. The salt of the but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? You're good for anything except to be thrown out, trodden underfoot by men. You are the light set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's really a, a command that God is giving us today, Jesus gives us today. If you are a believing follower of Jesus Christ, we are already salt and light. So what does that mean? What it means, in essence, is I take my faith with me everywhere I go. There's no place I can be that I'm not a follower of Christ. Okay? I'm not afraid. Um, really, Christians shouldn't be afraid of anything. God has conquered all those things. Okay? And so, doctors, I can't tell you how wonderful it is when somebody says to me, before the surgery, my doctor prayed with me. You know? um, it's not an evangelistic thing. It's, let's pray. Um, how about a police officer when they're interacting with people who are in distress? Not necessarily a criminal, <laughs> but somebody who needs help if he is or she is salt and light, does that make a difference in how they interact with that person? Soldiers. How does a soldier conduct him or herself in a stressful situation? It's different if you're a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ 24-7. Not just on Sunday morning, but all the time. Whether it's a mom, a dad, a priest, bus driver, a cook, I don't care what it is, wherever we are, we can have an impact on the world if we are salt and light. So to become salt and light, we've got to be actively, we've got to actively decide to become purifying agents who hinder the spread of evil. And whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, um, there is a war going on between the forces of light and the forces of darkness in our world. It's ongoing. 
never stops. And when the dark gets darker, the light needs to get lighter. God's people need to stand up, speak up, make themselves known in a world that is being overcome by this darkness. To become light, we must actively decide to illuminate the spiritual darkness around us by the boldness of our speech and the character of our lives. There's a sign over our door as you walk in. If you haven't seen it, take a look at it. Stand up for what's right, even if you're the only one standing. You've heard me say that a thousand times, but it's really true. And now, I think more than ever, God's people need to be seen and heard as believers in Jesus Christ, given what's happening in our culture today. Salt was very valuable in the old days. Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt, and they would barter with somebody, a Roman soldier who wasn't uh, doing what he was supposed to be doing. It was said that he was not worth his salt. That's where that comes from. Salary, the word salary comes from the word for salt. We have a lot of salt references in the Bible. It was used to destroy fields and judges. It was for covenant making in numbers. Job asked, can flavorless food be eaten without salt? We know about Lot's wife. When Elijah sweetened the waters of Jericho, he cast salt into them to demonstrate the purifying power of salt. Newborn babies were rubbed with salt. Now, Jim Wilkerson, my dentist, this is an interesting one. A grain of salt was placed in a tooth cavity. That was the usual remedy for a toothache. Do you still do that? You're not, you don't do that? It's biblical. All right, just saying. Just saying. Salt was used to flavor food. And we are to enhance our environment for Christ by our countenance and our attitude. Robert Louis Stevenson once said he was amazed when he attended church and was not depressed. That's kind of sad. Oliver Wendell Holmes said he might have been a minister if every minister he knew did not remind him of an undertaker. Just saying. Salt was used as a preservative to prevent decay and rot. There was no refrigeration, obviously. They would use meat and fish. They would make it in salt. We have moral decay uh, in our society today. We, this is one of the reasons we need to be salt. We need to be that preserving agent. Things that are under attack right now are things like marriage, the nuclear family, law and order. Major cities today, law and order, um, God's plan for people to be able to get along peacefully with one another is under attack. It's under attack by people in charge so that it seems like sometimes the, the criminals have uh, are treated better than the victim. In New York, this really happened. A guy robs a bank on Monday, gets arrested, lets get out, he gets out, he robs a bank on Tuesday, gets let out, and he robs a bank on Wednesday. And guess, well, no, they kept him. Three times, three strikes and you're out, I guess. That kind of thing is happening all around right now. And one of the reasons is the destruction of the family. We're going to hear from, from uh, Rick Haldeman here at the announcements, and he's going to be talking about a new thing called Dads on Duty. 
dads on duty, they're looking for a whole group of men to be in middle and high schools here in Marion County because, I tell you, families in Marion County are falling apart. And you see it um, in the conduct of, of the kids in the schools. It's, it's really sad. God has something to say about that. It's the teaching of, of the Bible, almost exclusively among the world's beliefs, that elevated women to their proper place as human beings equal in value to any man. The Bible inspired prohibition of slavery and promotes the equal treatment of all people on the planet because they are equally valuable to God. The Bible formed the basis of Western law and inspired democratic freedom. The Bible has been a reliable moral compass that has served mankind well for thousands of years despite all the attempts to distort it or misrepresent it. The Bible teaches the principles of honesty, fidelity, respect for others, respect for property, justice, generosity, and non-retaliation. The Bible promotes peace and encourages men to treat each other with kindness, patience, compassion, and understanding. That's why we as Christians need to speak out on these issues of our day, and when we do that, in essence, it's being biblical, not political. You hear me say that a lot as well. We need to be salt and light. Hopefully, people know this. John MacArthur writes, Woodrow Wilson told the story of being in a barber shop one time. He said, I was sitting in a barber chair when I became aware that a powerful personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to have his hair cut and sat in the chair next to mine. Every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic or meaning to teach, Tristan, the man who was serving him, and before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware I had attended an evangelistic service because Mr. D.L. Moody was in that chair. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the barbershop. They talked in undertones. They did not know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts. And I felt that I had left that place as I should have left, a place of worship. And Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, the most competent historians are agreed in saying that what undoubtedly saved England from a revolution such as that experienced in France at the end of the 18th century was nothing but the evangelist, evangelical revival. This was not because anything was done directly, but because masses of individuals had become Christians and were living this better life and had this higher outlook. The whole political situation was affected and the great acts of parliament which were passed in the last century were mostly due to the fact that there were such large, num large numbers of individual Christians found in the land. When Christians are there, when they're active, when they speak up, things are different. Things change. We can affect outcomes. Light is meant to be seen. It illuminates. Light is a guide. I can tell you, uh, 20 years in the Navy on ships, when you came into a port at night, you might not have been familiar with, and there were lights lighting the channel, you were a very happy camper. Red, right, returning. 
Never forget that. Light is a warning against danger. Anybody ever say to you, I wish you'd said something to me about that before I fill in the blank, whatever it might be. People don't particularly like light, some people anyway. In John chapter 3, light had come into the world, but some men loved the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil <coughs> hates the light and does not become the light, lest his deeds should be expo exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light, that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought through God. Bad people don't like the light. They don't like to shine. They don't want the light to shine in what it is they're doing. But many people, I think sometimes many people who are living in darkness don't know what they're doing is evil, or they don't think about it in that way. I saw a video the other day, and it was a drag queen uh, pr program with mothers and fathers and their little kids in this library setting. And the smiles on the parents' faces were blowing my mind. And I thought to myself, don't you know what you're exposing your children to? And apparently they don't. They think it's good fun or supportive of a different type of person, whatever it might be. No, it's perverse. It is ungodly. It should not be celebrated in any way. And yet here they are, I think, clueless about what they're doing. I think a lot of people who are pro-choice aren't thinking, let's kill as many babies as we can, they're thinking somehow they're helping a mom, we're solving a problem, we're eliminating a potential situation that would be very detrimental to the family. But in effect, they're living in darkness, it's evil, it's wrong, baby has an opportunity and has a right to life. Life is precious from conception to natural death. And you just wait until we get to that one down the road, natural death. I came across a term, I don't know if I shared it with you, but I came across a term not too long ago called useless eaters. Did I share, did I share that with you? Useless eaters. You're, 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 you're consuming more than you're producing. We've got to take a hard look at that. Are you worth keeping around? In the Netherlands right now, they have something called involuntary euthanasia. Involuntary euthanasia. That's not a youth group in Shanghai. That is murder. That's murder. And it's okay in that country, and it could be spreading. So the value of life, in God's eyes, all life is valuable, from conception till natural death. In the eyes of the world, not so much. I think of the transgender situation in our, in our society today, and this is in a biblical, godly way. God made them male and female. He doesn't make mistakes. You are one or the other. You were born that way. There are influences in our society today that put it into children's heads that maybe God made a mistake and you're the other gender. 
and then they take it to the, to the extent that they have surgery or they take drugs to, to sterilize them. And it breaks my heart to see a 16-year-old girl have a hysterectomy and a double mastectomy, and then when she's 22, wake up and say, what the heck have I done? What was I thinking? Why wasn't there someone there to stop me or to tell me where I was going was wrong? But they weren't because they were afraid to speak up. They were afraid to put their head up and say, you know, you might want to rethink that. That's what we're here for. That's what God's people are here for, to be the salt and the light. Jesus says we should let our light shine before others that they may see our good works and give glory to God. I, I can't tell you how many people in this congregation have a servant heart that work hard. Not, not, I don't know about work hard, but it's just who they are. They're always reaching out to other people, and that's not always that way. Um, we moved Eleanor uh, from Ocala to um, Sorrento near Apopka. Eleanor works in Apopka. So now she has a 20-minute drive rather than an hour and a half, one way, five days a week. So that's a good thing. We're actually going to get to see more of her because she'll be here more weekends. But we drove down there, and here we had a crew. Who, who was our crew? Bernardo, Gigi, Justin, Kathy, me, Eleanor, loaded the van. And Steve Forrest. And we drove down there, and then she had a couple of people meet us of her friends work, that worked with her. And so we were at it for like an hour, hour and a half, and then they showed up. And when we're done, this nice guy, young man named Ross, he said, yeah, so a friend of mine asked me today, so what are you doing today? Oh, I'm helping a friend move. How much are they paying you? He gets angry. He goes, ah, uh, they're not paying me anything. What? You're doing this for free? Yeah, I'm just helping out a friend. Well, they better be taking you to the nicest restaurant in town. He was really angry about it that he would do something without getting remunerated. What does that say about his mindset? Bottom line is, I'll do something, but my question is always going to be, what's in it for me? And if there's nothing in it for me, why would I waste my time doing that? See, that's, that's not a godly way to think. These two young people were being salt and light that day for us. So there's a thing called the salt commitment and the light commitment. salt commitment goes like this. First of all is the salt commitment. I will be a purifying agent to hinder the spread of evil as God gives me the opportunity. That may mean speaking up at the office. It may mean refusing to get involved in certain holiday traditions. It may mean rocking the boat where you work. It may mean taking some out criticism for your faith. It may mean taking an unpopular stand on public issues. Remember, salt stings and then it cleanses. The second is the light commitment. I will illuminate the spiritual darkness around me by boldness of my speech and the beauty of my life. That certainly involves deeds of everyday kindness. It may mean going out of your way to help a friend. It no doubt means openly identifying yourself as a Christian. It'll probably cost you some money and some time. Remember, the primary function of light is to reveal things as they really are. When you've done your job, 
they won't talk about you. They'll talk about Jesus. We aren't called to save the world, but we are called to make a difference. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And what we can do, we ought to do. That's what being salt and light really is all about. And then I want to I leave you with this um, poem. It says, I'd rather see a sermon... what's in here. Sorry, too much stuff. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action. Your tongue too fast may run. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how we are to be salt and light. Let's take a look at this.
That was good. So to be effective as Christians, witnesses, we've got to become salt and light to the world. It just occurred to me, like when you go to lunch today, if you go out to eat after this, ask your server. Maybe you've never done this before, but give it a shot. Ask your server. We're going to pray. Don't say, can we pray for you? Say, we're going to pray. How can we pray for you? And get their name first, Brenda, Mike. How can we pray for you? I've, even if I'm not wearing a collar, I've never had anybody say, I don't need your prayers. There's always something going on in their life that they would appreciate a prayer from you. doesn't have to be a sermon, just a prayer. Amen? Amen.